You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George, and we're talking on the Faith Roots Podcast about how to overcome in the time of temptation, how to beat a trial. And there's so much to be said about this in the first chapter of the book of James. And James goes into every aspect of this. It's fascinating how deep he goes into the subject. Uh, we ended yesterday with James 1.14, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Uh, lust is a strong desire, and enticing means that the the temptation actually has some appeal. Uh, the, the, the temptation isn't real if it doesn't appeal to you. Now, <clears throat> the Scripture says that the consequences of sin are inescapable, and very often that will help you to resist the temptation. Numbers 32.23b says, Be sure your sin will find you out. It may not uh, come immediately. You may get by with it for years. Today we read a lot about people who committed murders 40 years ago, 50 years ago even, and now they've been captured because of DNA evidence, and so they got by with it for a long time. Uh, I believe that they suffered some consequence even before, uh, but the Scripture doesn't say that the consequences, the full consequences of sin are immediate. Uh, if they were, people wouldn't sin. I'll just put it like that. If every time you sin, the pain was so great and severe that it, it, you just said, man, this isn't worth it, uh, you wouldn't sin anymore. Uh, but apparently, people don't experience that. Uh, the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. So there are times when you sin, it feels good. And that's why people do it, is because it seems like there's great pleasure in it. And uh, the Bible says about Moses that he forsook Egypt, not choosing the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses could have continued on as a prince in Egypt, but he knew this will not last. I will lose because he had knowledge of God. Now, the full effect of Adam's sin was not known immediately. There's something that happened when Adam sinned. He was immediately fearful, and it wasn't long before sin took root in his family. But he didn't die for 930 years. He died spiritually the first day that he sinned. But it took a while for physical death to kill him, and that was the mercy of God. If God doesn't cause someone to immediately uh, pay for their sin and be accountable, it is because he's being merciful and he's given that person ample chance to repent. And some people don't take advantage of it. Here's what Proverbs 14.9 says, Fools mock the need for repentance. Why would someone mock uh, the need for repentance if there's a harsh penalty for sin that comes right away. Well, they do that because people get by with sins and they don't see the immediate effect. So the effects are inescapable, but they're delayed. What if you took a hammer and you pounded your fingers and every time you pounded your fingers it's like somebody scratching your back or uh, getting a massage or you felt great pleasure physically 
when you hit your finger with a hammer. You'd hit your finger with a hammer all the time. It's kind of the way sin is. Only about a month later, suddenly your nerves begin to relay to you what you did when you hit your finger with the hammer, and you feel this immense pain. But because it's been 30 days or so since you hit your finger with the hammer, you don't associate what you did with the pain that you're feeling today. And that's what happens with a lot of people. They don't connect the dots. They sin, they make mistakes, they do egregious things both to themselves, to others, and to God, and they don't see immediately that it costs them anything, and that's why they continue on. So one of the best ways to illustrate this, (coughs) pardon me, is you go to a restaurant, one of those where you get to make your own hamburger, and you order it, and they, they tell you to come on up, and you got the bun, and you got the hamburger. Now it's up to you to put all the fixings on. So you take it over, and you do your mustard and your mayonnaise or your ketchup, whatever you're going to do, and your onions and, and your tomatoes and all the different things that you want to put on your burger. Maybe you're going to put a slice of cheese on it. And you do all of this, and then you go get your French fries and your big drink. And as you go to the register, they say that'll be $97.32. What? Now, that's the way sin is. You, you eat the meal, and you enjoy the meal, but you don't pay the cost until after it's over. And sin always extracts a much bigger price than if you'd done things God's way. But because it's delayed, people fall into the trap. And that's the way that sin works. All right, one of the best tools for resisting temptation is to convince yourself before you get into it, this is going to hurt. And first of all, we start off with, this is going to hurt me. Uh, But that's a selfish way of thinking. It not only is going to hurt you. If you fall into sin, it's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt people. But here's the ultimate reason you don't want to do it. When you as a believer fall into sins and you turn away from God's way and you reject Him... You hurt Jesus. You disappoint Jesus. Here's one who never sinned against you, who cared about you. And I I think we may start off thinking, I fear the consequences of sin. But I think once we really begin to walk with Christ, everything changes is, I don't want to disappoint my Lord. I love my Lord so much, and He's done so much for me. I don't want to disappoint Him. I don't want to disappoint His church. I don't want to disappoint my fellow believers. I don't want to disappoint them. And then the last thing we think about is, I don't want to suffer the consequences of sin. You know, when you don't fear any consequence, and I was around one young man my whole life who absolutely had no fear of consequences of anything. Uh, He lost his parents when he was a young guy. I don't know what happened to him, but they abandoned him. His grandmother raised him, and he had no restraints. She felt sorry for him, so she really didn't correct him. And she had some money, so the way she took care of him was she bought him the things that he wanted. And so here he is, 15, 16 years old, and he's got the hottest car in town. Uh, He uh, uh, is running from the highway patrol. They can't catch him because his car will outrun them. Uh, He gets called into the principal's office and gets mad and reaches across the desk and punches the principal. Uh, This is in junior high. Uh, So this young man has no fear of anything. Gets thrown into jail, tears the bunk beds out of the wall, uh, just rails all night long. Uh, finally, a uh, judge gets him in a courtroom and sentences him 
uh, either to the penitentiary or the army, so he chooses the army. And he goes into army and gets kicked out. He's discharged in no time uh, because the army can't bring discipline into him. And uh, everybody gave up on him. And so here he is one night in a bar room, and he gets in a fight with an older man, and uh, he chases the guy out of the bar and says, I'm going to kill you. And it's a very small town and tells the guy, don't ever come back in here. Well, this older man uh, decides he's had enough. This guy has threatened everybody. Everybody's afraid of him. He goes home, gets a gun, comes back down to the bar. And the kid, who's 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, comes out to the car and is going to fight with this older man. And uh, the older man has a gun. And the kid has no fear. He tries to open the door and pull the man out of the car, and the man raises up the pistol, shoots him in the chin, goes into his jugular vein, and he drowns in his own blood in less than 20 minutes. Uh, they try to get him to the hospital, but it's too late. Uh, they, can't, they can't save him. Uh, what a shame. But he had no fear of consequence. And it was such a horrible thing. It would be like someone having no nerves, not being able to feel anything. And you don't know that you're on fire or you don't know that you've stepped on a nail or you don't know that you've done something harmful. And I, I pray to God that we have a sensitivity to the hurt that sin causes. Uh, we shouldn't want to escape the consequences because it is a horribly destructive thing. Now, here's what the Scripture teaches us that lust has to conceive in order to bring death. Let me read it. Uh, James 1.15, Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Let me explain this process. You can be tempted and actually feel like doing something without sinning. It is when you choose, either with your imagination or an act, to commit this thing, that's when it becomes sin. So lust conceives, that means it has a baby. And so the thought is brought into your mind and it appeals to your desires. So lust takes over and lust begins to make your decisions. So instead, it doesn't say you conceive by the choice. It says lust conceives, lust conceives, lust takes over, lust is making all the calls. And that's what you see with a lot of people. When they do not control their desires, lust takes over and it drives everything they do. And they wind up doing stupid, absolutely stupid things because lust has taken over. Lust is a very stupid decision maker. Lust conceives by the choice of the will to commit the act or to imagine the act. Jesus said, you don't even necessarily have to commit the act to be guilty of the sin. He said in Matthew 5, 28, I say unto you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So once lust gets to the imagination stage, it's, this is the fulcrum. This is the point where it really can tip over fast. And you can be in the imagination stage for a short period, but if you stay there, you're going to sin. And that's why you need to avoid going to the imagination stage. Uh, let me let me tell you, there is the thought, uh, there is the first thing that happens, it is the thought. Then the thought exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Then there's imagination. And finally, when you give in to the imagination, it creates a stronghold. And what that means is it's so easy to slip into this sin 
time and time and time again, it becomes a signature sin of your personality. And it's something that you're known for. It's a complexion sin. And so once lust gets to that imagination stage, it's very difficult to resist. Let me tell you what I have found as one of the most effective ways of resisting temptation. This is 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. And it's a scripture I quoted a bit of a while ago. Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is where we begin, actually. If you want to really effectively resist, don't go to the imagination stage and every three or four minutes say, get behind me, Satan. But the minute you're hit with the temptation, say this instead, I bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's where you attack. You don't wait till it goes to imagination. You get it right there. The minute the temptations begin to come to your mind, I bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now that's scripture. Get behind me, Satan, for I bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You begin to put those words in your mouth. You're using a sword against the tempter. He will not be able to stand long against you. Well, that's all the time I have for today, but we are not done. We'll pick up here again tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.